0: Hello listeners and welcome back to the third episode of the Envercast with myself Keon, and myself Mark Mark, how are you mate? You're three weeks deep into isolation and we're obviously still doing this remotely so how yeah. are things on your end all
1: right this podcast is the only thing keeping me going just seeing who <laughs> you're going to be interviewing each week <laughs> yeah well we've got alan
0: blaney on this week so hopefully we have another good one we've been on a roll recently so hopefully fingers crossed i can continue
1: yeah good to hear a coach's perspective and someone who's had a long and varied career
0: yeah so again like i said mark hopefully we have a good one and just sit back relax and enjoy listeners i will just formally like to welcome you on to the podcast. How are you, mate?
1: Yeah, all good. Thanks very
0: much for having me on. No worries. No worries. Um, we've just had previous players on the podcast, so it makes a bit of a exciting for myself and Mark to interview a coach at the club. That's good, yeah. Mm-hmm. Looking forward to it. Thanks. So uh, just I just want to gauge, how, how are you in this time? You, with you know isolation going on, there's not very much to be at. <coughs> Um, it's not, it's not too bad. Um, obviously I've got, I've got two young
2: kids, so I'm, I'm normally at home anyway. If I'm not training, I'm always, I'm always in and around the house anyway, most of the time. Um, obviously it's, you know, I just, I miss football, you know what I mean? It's, it's nearly been four weeks now, um, without even having any kind of football whatsoever. So, you know, it's in that sense, it's a bit of a nightmare, but i know I've a had to keep me busy at home with the two boys anyway
0: we're, we're, I think we're all on the same boat in the fact that um, yeah. everyone's missing football like it's been a long four weeks I don't know about you never mind being a fan but for yourself like you're heavily involved the club as it is, so I'm sure you're missing
2: yeah, more than anyone. Yeah, no, it's as I said, you know, it's been an absolute absolute nightmare. You know, obviously we, we're full time so it's you know we're we're in nearly every other day or every day. You know, we get it one day off a week. So it's you know it's we're constantly in training um and then obviously matching the Saturday. So we haven't had any of that. So it's been it's been a like you said, it's been a long, a long four weeks and obviously we don't know how long this is gonna continue for so it's it's a bit of a bit of a nightmare but there's Nothing we can do. Obviously, it
1: must have been yeah. particularly disappointing considering the good one of form you were on as well. Maybe that's even adds a bit more pain to it. Obviously, we were in good form. The team was in good
2: form, and obviously the goalkeepers as well. They were they were both looking really sharp. And you know, even training ways, I I was there a couple of months, and I could see them. You know, getting really sharp and stuff like that. So it's it's disappointing to you know. Obviously, they're going to lose that sharpness. You know, obviously we're not being. Uh, actually doing any kind of goalkeeping work throughout the the break, um, they've been they've been doing bits and bobs like running and stuff like that. But it's obviously it's not the same as you know them actually doing any goalkeeping specific. You know,
0: before we touch upon the the Lauren aspect of your career, Alan, I just want to bring mm-hmm. it back to your uh, your own individual playing career. Am so yep. I right in saying you? left Northern Ireland at an early age going and joined South Hampton how was that for you going over and oh, starting
2: was, your um, it was It was difficult you know it's obviously you're having to you leave your parents and your friends and stuff like that when you're when you're only 16 but you you know you soon kind of get over that kind of homesickness because you're obviously you're training every day and you've matches every weekend and, and stuff like that but it is it is difficult now when you're when you're not you know seeing your parents and your friends every, every other day you know so it's but obviously when you go over there you know you, you make new friends and, and stuff like that so you've, you've plenty to keep you entertained
0: When you came, went over at a young age was there any real differences you noticed in the way things were done over in England like the yourself compared to what it was like back here? Oh it
2: was it was massive then you know it's um, obviously when I when I was a kid playing here it was just we trained we trained one night a week and then a match on a Saturday that was that was all we got you know we trained for an hour in like a in a Gym, you know, a sports hall like that, um, and obviously when you go over there, the, the facilities, especially Southampton, the facilities are were, were second to none. Um, and it was, you know, it was like night and day the difference, the difference in the, the standard and everything, the way everything was done and stuff like that. And um, but obviously now, you know, you see the academies here now, and the you know they've, they've came on so so much. You know, kids are training maybe three times a week um and the facilities and everything they have um now is you know really really good it was when i was a kid you, you were you probably if it was raining you played on a gravel pitch you know you didn't have any yep. of these you know 3G pitches or anything like that you just had to play on a gravel pitch or you know the, the pitches and everything were just were, were not great so the kids kids nowadays they have it they have it really good
1: Well you at Southampton there was times where you were behind a goalkeeper such as uh, Anthony Eimi so what's it like as a goalkeeper when you're <laughs> pushing trying to get your opportunity <laughs> Um, it's, it's difficult, you know, it's a lot of, a lot of goalkeepers, you know, can kind of
2: shy away from it and stuff like that. I was, you know, Auntie Amy was the first choice goalkeeper. And at the time I didn't actually think it was going to, you know, kind of take his place or anything like that. It was kind of, you know, he was an international goalkeeper. I was only 22, 23, um, so it was it was difficult, you know. It it didn't stop me, you know, working hard and and maybe thinking in my head, maybe one day I'll get a chance and and things like that, you know. But it's I've been I've been behind other goalkeepers in my career, and it's 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 not nice, you know. But it depends on what kind of character you are. Some, like I said, some goalkeepers can shy away from it and kind of you know down tools and stuff like that, but. You know, the best way to deal with that is just you know working hard and and keeping yourself sharp because you, obviously you never know when your when your chance could could be. You know,
1: and he yeah. he was injured and they got a game against Newcastle, a three all draw. Yep.
2: That's right. Yeah, he got. Um, he was actually. He came down with a, a stomach bug or something like that the the afternoon before the game, so I actually didn't even know I was going to be playing until I get to the got to the ground. So that was my that was my debut, Um so it was it was a bit nerve wracking to say the least. Um, because was obviously when he said I was I was coming to the game, to you know just be on the bench, but when I got there, obviously I was told I was playing, so it
1: was. It was a strange one. We were watching a bit of it just before we came on air. We saw a great save mm. from Alan Shearer Header. Yeah, it was
2: I would say it was it was my debut and it was a really memorable game, you know. I had won um Save of the Season on Sky Sports and stuff like that. I got man of the match, so it was you know it was one of them debuts where we did you dream of, you know. So it was it was
0: a very it was a great night. Would you say Alan's year was the, hot, the hardest trigger you've come up against in terms of just defending against?
2: Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. Obviously at the the highest the highest level that, that, that would have been the highest level that I'd played at. So yeah, um and he only played Two or three first team games, so it was yeah. Alan Shearer probably would have been the you know the the best striker to you know to play against really.
0: So when you were at Southampton around that time, they were in the in the Premiership. What, what was that like being in the like a dress room of a, a top tier Premiership side?
2: Yeah, well, it was at that at that stage they, they weren't actually. It was every every when I was at Southampton. Uh, they were always fighting relegation every year. Um, that year that the particularly good year I the think they finished 10th or something like that so it was a, it was a good year for for Southampton. Um, but the whole way through my my youth career and reserves and stuff like that Southampton were always you know hanging on by the skin of their teeth. You know what it is it's it's great to be around you know when obviously you come from a small place like Northern Ireland and then you're over there playing playing with with calibre of players you there with, you know, it's it
0: is a great experience. Was there any particular like standout players you would have thought in addressing them that really like made you like considered like you had made it? There was Matt Letisier was actually in
2: the team when I was there. Um obviously everyone knows who Matt Letizia yeah. is. He was uh, obviously physically he wasn't blessed, but technically he was you know he was a very, very, very good player. You've obviously seen some of the goals he scored over the years. Mm-hmm. Um but I never <laughs> I never really thought I'd made it, you know, I was uh, I played obviously a couple of first team games and stuff like that, but it was I wasn't really ever established, you know, as a first team player as such.
1: you had some experiences yeah. out and loan. How did you find going out and <coughs> loan and get felt? Um, you know, just getting more game time under your belt. Places like Stockport, Bournemouth. No,
2: that was that was a good. Well, some clubs were a good experience, some
1: some not. You know,
2: when you go out on loan, you obviously don't know how it's going to go. You know, you're you're one day you're you're at your your parent club, and then you get a phone call to say that you know do you want to go out on loan you agree to that but obviously you're going into a brand new changing room with players you've never met and stuff like that so it's you know it's a it's a hard one Um when I went but my, my best loan period when was at Brighton I really enjoyed that obviously it was a short trip as well from from Southampton, so I didn't have any traveling to do and the other ones obviously they weren't such a as a good experience as Brighton was.
1: I read yeah. that there was talk if you going to Brighton permanently was there any <laughs> truth in that Yeah that's true um they Southampton um Brighton actually Mark
2: Mark McGee was the manager at the time and they tried to you know buy me off Southampton but they they they, they didn't have the funds or whatever it was but what Southampton
0: Southampton wanted um so they it didn't happen then yeah, so following like your different like loan spells at the different clubs, and you went on and made the permanent switch to Doncaster. What was that yeah. like? Going from you know different various different loans, so you had to get used to playing for different teams to actually settling down and being part of a team. Yeah,
2: well, it was. It actually started off pretty well when I went to Doncaster. Um, it was straight straight into the team. You know, I was I was first choice goalkeeper. Um, and that was you know that was that was really good you know I was out and was living living on my own and stuff like that and I had my, my own house and things like that so that was good but then was I got injuries and stuff like that, so it didn't it didn't you know it kind of went downhill after that I got injuries and couldn't get back into the team and and stuff like that so it was but at the start, like I said when it was you know it, it was a really good experience at the start, but it obviously it went a wee bit sour towards the end.
0: When you're at Doncaster um, would I be right <laughs> saying like, this is when you got in started getting into the Northern Ireland. The first team set up with the, at the international stage.
2: Yeah, that was my when I was at Doncaster. That was my first, my first kind of uh, trip away with the squad. We went to America. Um, we played against um, Romania and Paraguay or Uruguay or something like that. I think it was. Hmm. I played the second game against Romania, um, and then after after that trip. You know, I was I I wasn't in any kind of squads then till till I actually came home to the the uh, Northern Ireland.
0: Well, what was that like, like? just being involved at in your playing for your country and all everything that comes with it. Yeah, no,
2: it's absolutely fantastic. You know, it's a lot of people. You know, you see nowadays people say there's no pride and playing for people playing for their country and stuff like that. But I absolutely you know, I loved it. Obviously I didn't play any competitive games or anything like that, but it didn't matter, you know, it was it was all friendly games that I played. But it didn't matter, you know. Playing for your country is a, a massive honour, and, and not many people, you know, get to do that.
0: Funny, I was just gonna ask you: Did you would like would you find going away on international duty a distraction from like your club duties? Because I know a lot of footballers nowadays with more more long lines feel that way
2: no I didn't I never found it that way you know you were still you were obviously you know you were going away to different countries and maybe coming back to Northern Ireland to train and stuff like that but you were still you were training every day and you know the setup and all everything was was kind of similar to you know when you were at your club you know it's very professional and it was it was never really a distraction for me
1: Was was, was there another spell of international fixtures in America around like the time of the 2010 World Cup in Chile and Turkey
2: Yes I, I I went I went there yeah I went there that's when I was um I was at Linfield then um and I went I went there as well
1: yeah, there was players like our, Arturo Vidal and all like, and Colin cousin richards Turkeys and uh, um yep. Ar- as you see those names, you think thinking like...
2: <laughs> yeah, when I, when I actually, when we, there was a lot of Irish League players in that squad actually, mm-hmm. so there was, um, and the heat as well that day was absolutely mental, it was like 40 degrees <laughs> heat. Um it was crazy. Um. You know, and obviously you see that the name, the likes of players you're playing against that day, we were, you know, I thought we were in for a bit of a hiding, to be honest. But you know, yeah. I, I think it I think it finished two 0 or something like that. So it wasn't it wasn't that bad. Um, but it was obviously that was another great experience. You know, it was a it was a long trip. I think we were away for nearly two weeks, and there was so much travel involved. Um,
1: but I was one of ones. I didn't really care. You know, I, I love I loved every minute of it. I was going to say it's nice to see like. Um when people are in the people getting into the national team while they're in the Irish league, it's maybe not not something you see that much of nowadays.
2: Mm-hmm. No, that that's right. No, you, uh, Well, recent, you know, the, the last maybe six or seven, eight years or whatever, even you, you haven't really seen anybody from from Northern Ireland getting into the the squads now. As it's different manager, different you know, different preferences and stuff like that. Well, Nigel Worthington, he wasn't he wasn't afraid, you know, to pick to pick Irish League players and stuff like that. But it was you know, it was good. Um, obviously, he wasn't afraid to pick Irish League lads and give them their chance and stuff like that. But you're right, you know, it's it's something you something you don't really see a lot of nowadays. Well, what was Nigel Worthington like as a manager? Uh, <coughs> 'm playing for northern Ireland yeah no i I found him I found him really good um thought he was a very good manager he was very um very good with the people you know very good people skills and stuff like that very good man manager um
0: and I always found him found him really good um so you know yeah in terms of different managers played under island where would he like of ranked you know
2: yeah, no, he he ranked very highly. Um, I've played under you know a lot of a lot of managers, especially at Southampton. We had speed at the time. I was there. It was like ten managers, and I was there maybe I think I was there nine, ten years. So it was nearly a manager every year. Yeah. Um, the likes of you know Glenn Hoddle was manager, Gordon Strachan. Uh, Harry Redknapp you know there's been a lot of lot of you know big names that, that has been the manager of, of Southampton um, but you know
0: Nigel naja, naja would have been up there definitely the different managers you've played under like you said there when we came to Southampton there's like t- 10 various different ones you've played under mm. would, the, would you say there was a major transition period with each manner? Cause your manager because unlike when you're playing outfield you know you've got to get yourself a different style of play they want to Unlike yourself when you're in nets. See, to be
2: honest, you obviously some managers have different styles of play. Some managers want their goalkeepers to play out from the back. Some managers obviously don't don't uh, don't want that. Um. So it depends. It depends. Obviously, I was never one. I was never really very good with my feet. So I mm-hmm. was I was happy if the manager told me to put my boots through it. Um, the- yeah. So I, I was happy enough like that, but for generally though, your job is to keep the ball out an F. So it doesn't really matter, you know, who the manager is really for a goalkeeper.
1: To mm-hmm. be honest, yeah, there's people yeah. now the with more of these philosophies they say. Oh, like I think like Pep Guardiola, he says, oh, that they need, they need to be able to play just as well as anyone. <laughs> but like at the end of yeah. the day, you're about shooting shots.
2: Yeah, well, that's. You know, at the end of the day, that's exactly right. You know, you get a lot of people talking now on TV and stuff like that, and they're like, "He's great with his feet. He's great with his feet." And there's never any mention of how good a goalkeeper he is. You know, at yeah. the end, at the end of the day, that's your your main objective is to be a goalkeeper, and then anything else is a bonus. You know, um, but that's just that's just the way. Obviously, modern managers are now. There's a lot of managers um, that, that want their goalkeeper to play out from the back. And I'm, I'm all for that. You know, yeah. if your if your goalkeeper's good his feet then then that's great. Um, but obviously they're, especially in this country they're very few and far between, you know, so it's it's not something that a lot of managers in this country want want their, their goalkeepers to do.
1: Yeah, I'm sure if they saw him, yeah. a manager, if some, if some goalkeepers did the stuff that like Manuel Neuer does in the halfway line, I'm sure they'd get a few ear hogs and something.
2: Yeah, no, 100%. <laughs> obviously, you get the managers that want their goalkeepers to play, but that's just obviously, that's just crazy coming, coming away out there to try and tackle players and stuff like that.
0: <laughs> yeah. But did you ever feel the need to try adapt your game towards that, or did you always just stick to the way you were used to doing it? No, well, I was I was always lucky that, uh,
2: and I never played under a manager that, that that liked that kind of play, you know. Um, so I was I was always lucky in that sense. Um, if I came across a manager that you know. That like to play from the back. I don't. I don't think I'd have been a team to be honest. So <laughs> no, I don't. Um, I was. I was never one for. I was never very good with my feet. So I was just obviously no nonsense. The ball passed back to me. I just. I just put my boot through it and it went. You know.
0: Yeah. And so coming off the back from your time in England, and then you came back over from the play over back home. Was that yes. uh, more of like? relief coming back home and playing football or Um, yeah well it was
2: it was at that stage um I had left Doncaster then I went to Oldham and I didn't really I played maybe one or two games um and then I went on a trial to Yeovil and yeah I thought to myself you know what I'm not running about here there and everywhere trying to you know scrape for a contract um if I go home, I'll be able to get a contract, and I'll be at home with my, you know, my wife and stuff like that. So it was,
1: it was an easy decision, really. In the end, brief We're down south for Bohemians, and then to Balamina. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, um, I got a call. I was at on.
2: Trial at Yeovil. I got a call from Tommy Wright. Um, he was friends with Sean Connor He was a Bohemians manager. The goalkeeper was injured at the time, so he says, "Would you come over and, and you know play for us till the end of the season?" And obviously, I said, "Well, it's only Dublin, so I jumped at the chance. You know, I can I can drive up and down, maybe stay in Dublin for a couple of nights and stuff like that." So it was, you know, it was an easy decision at the time. Like I said. Yeah
0: and what, what was that like Playing in the League of Ireland Because obviously You know it's, it's more of a different Compared to Irish Premiership And the fact that It's more of like a You know It starts later on In the season yeah, no, it was I, was I don't didn't
2: really notice a difference. You notice a difference maybe in the weather and stuff like that, but it's you know, it's not really that much of a difference. It's just the only difference is it's, you know, a different time of the year. Um yeah. standard the standard down, down south then was was pretty good. Um it's probably not as good as the standard is now. Um yeah. but it was it was still a
0: pretty good standard down there. Playing down south you made your return back up with Palomino. What, what what was that like? Just even coming home and getting used to the surroundings yeah no it was it, it was difficult um like i said you know i jumped at a chance to get home but
2: it was difficult because when i went to bohemians they were full-time so i was used to training you know every day from the age of 16 right up to like it was 25 or 26. so it was i was used to training day in day out um Came to Palomina. Obviously, they only trained twice a week, um, month or Tuesday, Thursday. So it was, mm-hmm. and then obviously having to try and find a job and stuff like that. So it was, it was hard to adjust to. It probably took me, took me quite a long time to get to actually get used to into a kind of a routine of that. Um, Good. so it was, it was, it was actually a, a shock to the system, really. But you know, I got there in the end. And on the yeah. pitch, so
1: that, that was your first proper experience of the Irish Premiership, so. Mm-hmm how was how did you find the football when you came to it well actually
2: my first game um i was at it was a against Lisburn distillery Mm -hmm. and actually after the game a leg alarm was through on the pitch i don't know if you remember that (laughs) (laughs) no i've heard yeah (laughs) so yeah the leg alarm was through on the pitch after the game and i thought to myself oh my goodness what have i let myself in for here Mm -hmm. um But obviously that's coming from a professional game to a part time game, it's you know, there's, there's there's a lot there's a lot of, you know, really good footballers in the Irish League. But it's just maybe that fitness and that sharpness, you know, that they're they're they don't have compared to you know English players that are training full time, Um but it was it was enjoyable. You know, it, it took me obviously, like I said, a wee while to adjust and stuff like that. Um, but once I
0: get in the swing of it, you know, I was I was really enjoying it. After that brief season you had with Balmain, then you went on to Linfield. Was would yeah. you say there was any major differences making that jump from Balmain to Linfield? Yeah, there was.
2: Um I'm not going to lie. There was a massive difference
0: coming from Balamina to
2: Linfield. Obviously, they treat we train three nights three nights a week, so that's an extra night, um, and just the the whole professionalism as well around the place. You know, it was it was just you know that extra step higher. You know, um, and obviously you're 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 surrounded by better footballers and stuff like. That. Obviously, no disrespect to the players that were at Balamina at the time, yeah.
0: Um, but it's uh,
2: it was it was a, a big difference, really.
0: But you said the. do you say the the extra training session and stuff like that really made was an incentive for you to go and play for Linfield at that time?
2: Yeah, hundred um, percent. And obviously, they were the biggest club in the country as well, you know. But yeah. obviously, that that extra, extra night, you know, it's only one extra night, but it does make make much more of a difference if you're training three nights a week to two. Um. So that that was a that was a factor in it as well. Yeah, definitely.
1: You got your hands on some silverware while you were at Linfield. Got the yep. winning in the league there, um, and the cup as well. And wasn't you win the double when you were there? Yeah,
2: I won the won the double three years, three years in a row. <laughs> so we did. So it was that was you know that was great. Obviously, that was one of the reasons as well why I went to Linfield. You know, I wanted to win things. Um, the whole way through my career, I hadn't really won any honors, leagues, or you know, cups or anything like that. So that was a major, a major part in it as well to try and, you know, wins win some trophies and medals and stuff like that.
1: And David how was David Jeffrey's manager? Has he left a good big impression on you? Yeah, no, David David was a
2: great guy. Um, really looked after me well. You know, me and David got on very, very well. Um, big, big, big character. Yeah. Um, really, really good man, manager, you know, he he knows how to read players and, and, you know, and what players need and stuff like that. Um, Wouldn't do a lot of coaching or anything out, out on the pitch, but he's a
0: very, very good talker and he, he knows how to get through to players. And, that, and just when you're touched there upon the silverware that you won at Linfield, you also got your hands on the Ulster football of the year as well during your time yeah. at
2: Linfield. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I was one, of I was. Uh, I had a really good year that year, that was actually... I think that was the year I got into the Northern Ireland squad. Um, had a really good year that year, so it was, you know, that was a obviously a massive honour. Like people tell me, not many goalkeepers get to win that award, so yeah. it was that was that made it extra special. So it was a really good, really good thing
0: for me. Yeah, and in terms of winning the. the where they did the win it. What's it like as a goalkeeper, you know, having to be consistently at, at the top of your game, you know, because there's not very many times that you're called upon sometimes in matches, you know, your team may be dominant. So it's just about being prepared for that one chance and making sure that you pull off the save.
2: Yeah, no, I think you kind of when you're winning games, you kind of and you're playing well, you kind of get a bit of momentum behind you, you know. And it's, it's like like I said with the manager, David was. You know, you were never you never kind of you know slacked off at all. You know, he was always on top of you. If he could have even seen maybe in training you were a bit off in training, he was always on your case and stuff like that at Linfield as well. If you, if you'd maybe won two bad games, you were out, you know. So you always knew you needed to be on top of your game or you were going to be sitting on the bench. So that was that was a factor in it too. You know, you always had to be, you know, on top of your game or you were you were going to be sitting on the bench or in the stand.
1: Yeah. And from those league titles came the some of the European games, the Champions League. How did you find those Champions League qualifiers?
2: Yeah, no, they were obviously Really, really good. Uh, we played against some good teams. We played against uh, Rosenberg as well. Um, massive stadiums and stuff like that. So it was it was a really good experience. Obviously, you're not expected to, you know, win anything and stuff like that. So you kind of just go into the whole experience that just you're, that you're going to enjoy it. You know, you're gonna you're gonna enjoy every minute of it. And um, so it's one of them ones. You know, I don't think there's any there's obviously no pressure on Irish league clubs going to play in Europe. So it's you know, you kind of just get to enjoy the whole experience, if you know what I mean.
1: Linfield went close a bit last year with Europa League, but it's, it's few and far yeah. between the Irish League performances.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, it's... Obviously, you get you get the odd year where the, the team or Irish league teams be drew against the like uh, you know Faroe Islands teams and stuff like that Um, but they're, they'd they probably be on kind of a, an even keel with the Irish league you know I don't think they're full time either so it would if they get if they get maybe one or two you know a, a, their first game against them and then another team you know in another part time league you, you can't you can't come close but like you said it's very few and far between the times that you'd actually do draw them
0: teams you know What's it like for those Champions League qualify, Alan? Because, like you said, like they're not full time teams, so I'm sure there's a lot of issues that comes with that. Like even like last year, they struggled sometimes to get players off work to even go and play. Yeah, no, that's obviously it's. And then if you go to them places as well,
2: they obviously don't have many fans, and obviously their grounds aren't aren't great either. Um, so it's you are kind of when you when when the draw is made, obviously smaller clubs in, in Northern Ireland. You're hoping to get like a big team, so you can go and have the full kind of experience. If if you get through against the end teams, no disrespect to them, you know it's it's kind of a it's kind of a letdown if you know what I mean. You yeah. know what I mean. That's in in that sense. Like it's, but obviously then you've a chance of you've chance of progressing as well. So there's, you know,
0: it's not too bad. Yeah, was there any particular op- opponent or team that you look back fondly on? Haven't played.
2: Yeah, um, I mentioned uh, Rosenberg. I, I loved. I've loved playing playing against them. Um, it was great. We played our first game at Windsor. Um, we drew nil nil with them, which was a an unbelievable result. Um it was a great result for us. Um then we went out there and we lost we lost we lost two or three nil, I think we did. Um but we, we played really, really well. Um I had a had a good game out there as well. So it was you know, it was a really good experience and obviously the experience is a lot better for you if you if you if you have a good game, you know.
0: Yeah. And those experiences you can take back with you and then use to your advantage throughout the season in the ice league.
2: Yeah, no, hundred percent. You know, it it it. Obviously, if you have a good game, it gives you a lot of confidence, and you you obviously you, you think to yourself, well, if I can play play well against players like that, you know what I mean, then it's I, I can do the same and maybe more in the Irish League so uh, that, that's a good thing about it like.
1: yeah, so we began to move away from Linfield you had a loan at Ard's and then permanent mm. moves took the Athens so how did you find yeah. Leeds in Linfield
2: um, to be honest I didn't at the time I went to Ard's it was a it was a bad time um, I'd got a bad injury and um, then Johnny Tuffy came to the club and um, and I wasn't getting a game when I came back, I just, I couldn't get into a team, um, and I kind of feel fell out with the manager a little bit, and it was kind of, you know what, I, I don't want to be sitting about here, you know, just playing reserve team football and stuff like that, so, I I was offered to go and go to Ards on loan, and I, I jumped at the chance. You know, I was going to be playing every week. It didn't it didn't it didn't matter to me who the team was, you know. Just, I just I jumped at the chance knowing I was going to be playing every week. So that was and I, when I went to Ards, it was you know a really good club. They really looked after me well. So I really I really enjoyed my time there. Niall Curry was the manager at the time, so I really I really yeah. enjoyed it then. Well, then how
0: how was Niall Curry The the parent Carrick. How how did he fare up in terms of managers you've played under?
2: Yeah, no, Niall, Niall was a great guy. Um, like now Niall, Niall's kind of similar to what David Jeffrey would be. You know, he he wouldn't do a lot of coaching out on the pitch, but he, you know, he's he's very good at man management
0: and stuff like that. So Niall was great. And then off the back of Ard, he had different spells at like Glenalvin and Balamina. I just want to ask, Alan, around about this time, would. Would you was this when you decided to pursue your career into coaching or was it just a sole focus to play your football?
2: No, it was kind of when I had joined I left Ards I was on left Linfield obviously and then went to Glen Avon um, and in and around that time I thought you know, it's maybe coming to an end here. Maybe need to start, you know, um, looking into coaching and stuff like that. And it was something they always did. Maybe you know, if somebody maybe asked me to do a bit of coaching. It was something they always really enjoyed. And yeah. so I thought, you know, maybe I do, I, when I finish football, I don't, I don't want to go out of the game at all. I want to stay involved in the game. So obviously, then you become a coach. So it was, it was around the Haven time when I kind of started doing a bit of coaching. And obviously, like I said, I really enjoyed it. So it was that once I retired it was an easy, easy transition then. Yeah. You had some coaching experience at Dundella before, Lauren, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I was I was goalkeeper coach at Dundella for a year and a half. So it was Um great club, really, really good fond memories at uh, Dundella. Um, family, like a real family club and, you know, they look after their players really well. And it's professional as it can be, you know, so it's it was really good there. Well, your first
0: initial coaching experience at Dundella, what, what was that like <coughs> making this tr- kind of transition from player to coach?
2: Um, like I said you know I always really enjoyed coaching um, so it it didn't really I had, at the end of the day I had to retire because I got a really bad finger injury um, couldn't could carry on with how bad the finger injury was so the decision was made you know made made for me really so it's, it's kind of easier that way um, but going straight into coaching it was you know I'd retired and then went straight into coaching and it was it was quite quick you know I wasn't out of the game any length of time so it was you know it was, it was pretty good it was you know it was an easy transition for me and
0: then with that changing career from player to coach was there any different in a way pressures you faced as a coach compared to what it was like when you're a player um well yeah you know you there's pressure on on a coach you know if
2: your your goalkeepers aren't performing and your goalkeepers don't look sharp or anything like then obviously the pressure there's pressure on you know you you have your goalkeeper coach for a reason you have to you have to make sure the goalkeepers are on top of their game um so it's there's obviously when I first retired I thought there's no pressure on coaches at all it might be a manager or stuff like that but obviously once I started coaching I realized no there is there is actually pressure pressure on a coach to make sure the the players that he's coaching you know are on top of their game
1: yeah would you say um, you've learned and evolved watching your coaching since you began or different like tips you picked up from people along the way
2: yeah no obviously I've I've played obviously when I was in England and stuff like that. I've had a lot of different goalkeeper coaches and stuff, and you pick you pick up wee bits and bobs from them. And obviously, you have your own kind of ideas of what you know what the goalkeeper should be doing and stuff like that. So it's you know it's valuable that you, that I've had so many you know goalkeeper coaches because obviously I've picked up different bits from them and the different styles and stuff
0: like that. So it, it definitely does help. Would you would you always considering as a goalkeeping coach, rather than just a, a regular coach, or even venture into management?
2: No, 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 definitely just only I, I. Anyone you speak to know me, you know that I absolutely love goalkeeping and everything about goalkeeping. Um, So I was only ever wanting to be a goalkeeper coach. I couldn't couldn't be an outfield coach at all. I wouldn't I wouldn't have the first clue how to be an outfield coach. I solely just want to concentrate on goalkeepers, and that's that's me. You know.
0: I want to ask Alan, how did the the opportunity come about then to come and you know join the full time setup here at Lauren? Yeah, um,
2: I was. Coaching away at Dundella um, and I got a call from Michael Doherty. Um, and he obviously told me he was moving on and um, he couldn't commit um, with his with his other you know his other things that he's doing. He couldn't commit yeah. properly to Laura. Um, and he says, Do you mind if I give your, your number to Tiernan? And I says, Yeah, far away, no problem. Um, and then obviously I met up with Tiernan and had a had a quick chat and that was it
0: I didn't really need any convincing you know it was I jumped at the chance and was it was there um, was the coaching set up at Dundella full time or was it like was it different to what it is like at Lauren no no
2: it was never it was never full time you know it was just obviously Tuesday Thursday um, and you trained maybe an hour each time so it wasn't really it's not like no disrespect to the coaches or their manager at Dundella but it wasn't like a full time you know where the likes of Tiernan now, he's you know he's very hands on he's you know he's constantly you know reviewing things and going over things with himself with the coaching staff and stuff like that so it's con- you know he's constantly on top of it um, so it's obviously it's a it's a, it's a a massive difference from from Dundella to, to move to learn
1: and I saw the videos on social media, the players' perspective about like Conor Mitchell. So can you just sort of describe as a goalkeeping coach like what you're doing on a day-to-day basis?
2: Basically all you're doing really, you see, with senior goalkeepers, you're not really coaching them as such, you know. It's it's more it's more you're just keeping them sharp. Um so every day you have to make sure you know their their feet are sharp, their hands are good. You know they're they're moving quick across the goal. It's just it's kind of maintenance. You know you you just have to keep them keep them as sharp as possible, um, and that just obviously involves you know work with cones. And, and stuff like that, and as many, and as as long as I get with them in the mornings, the better. You know, I, I like to get as much done as possible. So I would bring the goalkeepers out earlier than what the players would come out and stuff like that. So it's just it, it's it's basically trying to keep them keep them as sharp as sharp as possible. That they you know so that they're a hundred
0: percent yeah and then the, the sessions that you put on for the keeper <clears throat> club is that something that you plan yourself or is it in like in motion with what Tiernan's doing with the rest of the team <laughs> No, that's something. That's something I would, you know, I would the night before
2: I would sit sit down and and will uh, plan my session out and stuff like that. Um, obviously if there's something Tiernan maybe wants the goalkeepers to work on, maybe they're they're passing or passing into the midfielders or something like that. Then I I'll, I'll incorporate that in, into my sessions. But generally, it's kind of it's left up to me, you know, to to make sure the goalkeepers are, are looked after.
0: Yeah. When you touched upon it, or, or Alan in terms of when you in your playing career you never really like playing out rear feet what's that mm-hmm. like now going as a coach and potentially having to train someone that is mm-hmm. the opposite of what you were like in your playing career yeah no it's like I said the transition's easy
2: it, you know obviously I I kind of knew when I played what to do I just couldn't do it you know yeah. <laughs> um, so it was it's 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 easy enough you know I know how to you know work on goalkeepers and, and work on their passing and stuff like that so it's you know it's it's not it's not difficult because I couldn't really I wasn't great with my feet it doesn't mean I can't then you know coach goalkeepers to be
0: better with their feet you know yeah yeah and in terms of the the keepers we have the club, both Conrad and Conor Mitchell, what's your <laughs> relationship with both the keepers? like yeah no I have a, a really good really really good relationship with both guys you know would speak
2: most every day and you know we've got uh, as soon as I came you know the two of them are great and from then you know we became really good friends so that's that's obviously a bonus mm-hmm. you, you always hear people talking about the goalkeeping union and stuff like that but <laughs> outfield players and outfield coaches they don't really understand it and um, so goalkeeper coach needs to be close to his goalkeepers and um, you need to be friends because you need to obviously you're not only coaching them as well you have to listen to their problems and stuff like that so you have to you know you have to kind of be really really good friends with the guys and which I am sometimes you see goalkeeper coaches and goalkeepers they're not particularly fond of each other you've you've read stories before the guys in England and stuff like that but I've been lucky where I've you know I've came here and I've been I've it I've, I've off with the guy so it's been great.
0: Alongside your the good relationship you have with the, the co-keepers, what's your relationship, mm-hmm. actually would with Tyrone himself? Because we've had, we, in the previous episodes, we've had John, on and Ben Tinley, and they've said how they've had a great relationship with Tyrone. Mm-hmm. So I just want to ask you, Alan, what's it like for you as part of the background staff? What, what's your relationship with like? Yeah, no,
2: I, me and Tiernan have a great relationship. Um, obviously, that's uh, the, the, the way the club is. That's what I... Uh, it's kind of my dream job if you know what I mean it's, it's what, I, what, what I wanted it, when I spoke to my wife about what I wanted I wanted to be a professional goalkeeper coach I wanted to you know coach full time every day and when I've come into the club I've seen how Tiernan works and, and Seamus and, and Tim the way they work Um, it's been fantastic it's been it was night and day the previous clubs I was at Um, but you know me and Tiernan and the rest of the coaches we all get on very well with a, an open relationship we can we can speak about anything in the office, and you know it's been it's been really good.
1: I know you're relatively new to the club, but have you seen the impact that the club has in the community and the community outreach the club's involved in?
2: Yeah, no, it's been absolutely fantastic. um you know it, There's a lot of clubs Near Ice League that wouldn't In that terms of that uh, In terms of the media And obviously The community outreach And stuff like that A lot of clubs Near Ice League Don't hold a Hold a candle to learn. You know It's Everything about the club Is, is absolutely fantastic um, I'm not only saying that Because I'm a coach At the club You know it's <laughs> Anybody 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 looking in You know I've read things on Facebook People praising Praising you guys For the For your work In the media And, and obviously the, the work on Facebook and Twitter and stuff like that everybody's you know raving about you guys so it's you know it's everything about it has been been fantastic I can't
0: speak highly enough about it yeah and I'm sure for, uh, for you as a coach of the club it makes everything a lot easier when everyone's working towards the one goal at the club yeah no it's it's
2: like I said it's absolutely fantastic Um there's no, it's just everybody's you know focused on Lauren doing really really well. There's no bad eggs in the in the in the club or anything like that. It's just everybody's focused on the same goal, and it's you know it's great to be involved
0: in. When just want to talk to you, Alan about the season up till now really because you know mm-hmm. it's kind of been cut short. So I feel it's I want to ask you from a coaching standpoint and the background staff point of view, how in your opinion has the season went up till now?
2: Well, I to be honest, I think it's went really well. Um obviously we I think I was when I wasn't at the club I think in and around the Christmas period there, there was a wee bit of a a wee bit of a blip and stuff like that and results weren't going the way they should have and stuff like that. But from from I've since I've been at the club you know we've had maybe I think two defeats since I've been there so it's been it's been absolutely fantastic and obviously if the season had it continued you know there still was a chance we could finish in a European place uh, and yeah. for that for a club that is only promoted you know this season you know for me, that's that's absolutely fantastic. Um, so so far, so far so good. You know, it's been it's looked really good. Yeah, yeah
1: it's just, just disappointing that we don't know where. Obviously, because of the current situation, we don't know where we mm. could have got to. But
0: hopefully,
1: yeah. for next season, there's plenty to build on. Yeah, no, it's
2: it's a really good sign for next season obviously if the if the league's you know going to be going to be cancelled or whatever you know it's really good it's really you know good for for next season you know, things are looking really really good so um if the season obviously
0: gets cut short then you know we'll all be really looking forward to next season just in the very, you said we only had there who defeats once you've joined the club. Was mm-hmm. there any, on terms of game to game basis, Alan, would you, do you prepare differently for how different? Uh- Teams come at learn like different approaches, or is it do you stick by your methods?
2: No, no, I would. I'd obviously, if we're the likes of say maybe we're playing Crusaders, um, they put a lot of crosses into the box. So that week, would maybe work at incorporate crossing into into the session every every day, really. So they're used to cross balls coming in, um. Linfield would maybe score you know a lot of goals from the angle, so it would work on a lot of angle stuff and stuff like that. So whoever you're playing against, you kind of you, t- you tailor your session towards who you're playing at the end of the week.
0: But the both goalkeepers you have at the club, uh, both Conor Devlin and Conor Mitchell, who, who are both well capable, on um, and superb goalkeepers in themselves. But yeah. for you as a coach, what's what's it like handling a situation where? both they're kind of because they've both mm, been in and out of the first team this season mm-hmm. what's it like for you as a coach having to deal with that
2: <laughs> to be honest because Connor, the two Connors, they get on really well they're really good friends it's not an issue and um, they kind of support each other so whoever's playing the other one will back them up and um, there's no kind of animosity towards each other if one's playing then the other one backs the other one up so that in that sense it's it's been great Um but you obviously, you get you get goalkeepers in clubs that obviously don't like each other, and one's playing, the other one takes a hump. Um, so I'd imagine, I'd imagine it would be a very difficult situation for the goalkeeper coach to deal with. Um, but so far, obviously, I'm only relatively new to coaching, so I haven't had that experience, so I can't really you can't really comment on it. But my experience so far has been, you know, really good.
0: Yeah, and in terms of then getting ready and making sure we're ready for next season is there anything you're looking at for the future maybe planning it now in this time where you've got barely nothing else to do (coughs) since we're in self-isolation
2: yeah no well obviously I've had a lot of time on my hands so I've had time to you know do a lot of sessions, um, write them down and stuff like that. So, but it, like I said, there's no, there's no real difference. I would make the next season. The guys have been working really well, um, they've been play, playing really well. So, you know, for me, starting next season, uh, we'll just, we'll just, you know, start off the way we finished. Um, there's, there'll be no real, there'll be no real difference in the way that I coach the guys, and and I'm sure there'll be no
0: real difference in the way that they both work. You've only had a short time here at Lauren so far Alan but was there anything in particular as a personal highlight for you
2: um no, not really. Just personally, the highlight for me is just actually getting to work at the club. Um, you know, like I said, it was my, it's my dream job to be coaching every day and be involved in such a, you know, a great club. Um, yeah. There's no there's no real highlight as such. It's just to be involved with the place and, you know, be be coaching two great guys, with the two Connors. You know, it's every every day going to work is is a pleasure.
0: <laughs> yeah. And in terms even like the stuff off the field, the the music yard and stuff like that, it's quite a unique experience, I'm sure, for you because of all the efforts that goes on off the bed as well as on it.
2: Yeah, no, obviously I see how work how hard all you guys work, you know, you're in nearly every other day. Um, and all all the other, you know, guys working around, volunteers and stuff like that, you know, it's it's really good to see and it's it, you know, it's it's great. And obviously we've only been Promoted this season, but it's it's a really, really good science for the future, you
0: know? Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Yeah. Um, just before we round up here Alan um, yeah. with that, in the previous three podcasts we had we had the likes of the quick fire questions we had with Ben and John but mm-hmm. this week we're doing something a little bit different um, okay. as we usually have them answer the quick fire questions but since it's a spirit of the goalkeepers union as you would say mm-hmm. we thought mm-hmm. we'd ask both the Conners to come up with a few questions right. for you to answer um, okay. they, they thought that the, our audience should hear so Okay. Here's just a no worries. few ones for you. Okay. <laughs> so this one's from Connor Devlin, right? Okay. So what is your go-to snack for the evening?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, they always
2: have have a have a go at me because I like um <laughs> before I go to bed I like to eat sweets and ice lollies. Mm-hmm. Um, they thought obviously. Connor Mitchell thought this was the funniest thing he'd ever seen because Connor's very into himself and he he likes to, you know, look after himself and eat well and stuff like that. So when obviously he's seen a picture, my wife actually took a picture of this and put it on Facebook, Um, and the the two guys obviously have been been on the case ever since about it. (laughs) Any
0: particular? Dolly, or sweets, your go-to. <laughs> no,
2: not really. Just any kind I can get my hands on. If I can get the in time before it closes, <laughs> then, you know, it, 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 there's any kind. <laughs> yeah.
1: And uh, Connor Mitchell wants to know what weather conditions do you fear playing in the most? <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, yeah, when I first started, I always told the guys that when I... When I played, I absolutely hated the wind. Um, if I was, you know, leaving for a game that was particularly windy outside, then I was so nervous before a game. And yeah. um, they always obviously laugh about this and joke about it and stuff like that. But I was, I was. Any time it was windy, then for me the game was ruined. Before <laughs> I even got got to the ground, the game was ruined for me when it was windy. So I
0: absolutely hated, hated, hated when it was windy. Even though like, have you ever had? Say had to play like in the snow or like those like hailstones? Those really bad conditions, or is it still no, the wind that? No, oh, yeah, it's just the wind. No, I've, I've obviously played
2: in snow and played in hailstones and played in really heavy rain, but uh, that, that that didn't bother me. It was just the wind. Hated the wind because obviously it's so unpredictable. Then you you don't know what's going to happen. Obviously, if it's a really strong windy day, so that always that always you know <laughs> give me the heebie-jeebies.
1: You know, you've seen them scenarios where like, a goalkeeper's kick out, like build up a bit of momentum, the next thing it points it over a head and it's it's in, like. Yeah, I know exactly.
2: You've seen times where goalkeeper, you know, took a goal kick and it's actually blew back and went <laughs> over the net into the stand. You yeah. know what I mean? So it's I've never, I don't think I've ever played in wind like that. But I think if it had been as windy as that, I think I maybe would have faked an injury or something
0: like that. <laughs> <laughs> Is there any? particular game that you can think of that you just absolutely hate it playing in because of the wind?
2: no not, not really there's no particular g- game for some reason it was always windy at the Oval when we played against Glen right. Thorne I never I, I, I told the guys this. I never played well against Glen Thorne it was always my bogey team you always have a team you never play well against and you always have a team you play well against Glen Thorne was my bogey team um, and for some reason it was always windy there Um. so obviously I, I just did, did not like playing at the Oval one bit
0: yeah so the next question that we have up here uh, from the guys, this one is from Connor Devon again. Mm-hmm. He wants to know why he wants you to actually explain your supposed dislike towards him before you came to Larn. <laughs> um, actually, I didn't. Like I said to Connor, I
2: didn't know him before before I came to Larn. Um, obviously, I knew of him. You know, he played for Cliftonville against Linfield. Um, but I was always. Well, yeah, I'm a nice guy, I was always a nice guy when I played and I would always shook the goalkeeper's hand before, you know, in the tunnel kind of thing before we went out, you know, good luck, whatever but any time I went to shake Connor Devlin's hand he just stood there with a poker face staring straight forward didn't yeah. look at me, didn't <laughs> didn't turn his head just didn't acknowledge me one bit I just thought to myself I, I just do not like this guy like every other goalkeeper would turn and shake your hand say good luck yeah um, but he just didn't, and it wasn't only me. Obviously, he didn't do it with any goalkeeper. But I just took a real dislike into this. I didn't like it at all. And then obviously, when it came to the club, I was I was obviously gobsmacked to to see actually how nice of a guy he was. <laughs> um. So it was obviously don't judge a book by its cover, you know.
0: And the and the last question we have for you here, um, is another right. from Connor Devlin and he wants right. he actually funny. You mentioned that he actually wants to know your past experiences with shaking hands with goalkeepers.
2: I don't have any experiences with shaking hands,
1: <laughs> not that I can think of, aside from. Is there any big Connor? Who was the biggest keeper you shook hands with in the Premier League? Well, Shea He was he in Newcastle that time, no?
2: Yeah, Shea Given was played against Newcastle, uh, or he played against Southampton for Newcastle, um, um. but. Is uh, is he expecting
0: a funny answer here? Because I can't I can't think of think, anything to be. Honest. I think you I think you may have already answered it Alan. <laughs> Explaining <laughs> the whole Connor Dillon situation there. All oh, right. Okay. So that that but, was that question was irrelevant then. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have to give him a, a text after, this but yeah. But again, no, I'll, I'll ring it. I'll ring both of them after. this now. <laughs> <laughs> great well I think that's all from us Sam um, okay, thank, thank you so much for coming on hope you enjoyed no
2: problem yeah I really oh, enjoyed it. it was a pleasure to be on
0: thanks Sam no, no worries okay. see no you later no worries
2: guys thanks
0: thank you all for listening to the third episode of the Invercast um, be sure to keep an eye on our social medias uh, for upcoming episodes whether that being the Facebook Lauren Football Club the Twitter at Lauren FC the Instagram at Lauren Football Club or the club website again thank you so much for listening and we hope to use tune in again